Hey, you guys, welcome back to the So Looks Life podcast. I'm Kristen J. Watson, your host. I'm super excited about tonight's episode. We have a special guest. He is a star of Million Dollar Beach House. It's a Netflix series. So excited to have him, Noel Roberts. Thanks for coming on. How are you, Noel? I'm wonderful. Good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I look forward to uh, our discussion. Most definitely. I'm super excited about it. Um, if you guys don't know, again, like I said, he is on a Netflix series. He does real estate. Y'all know I'm into real estate. So definitely tune in. We're going to give you guys some time to jump on. So stay tuned. Welcome to the So Lux Life podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. Again, thanks you guys for tuning in. Definitely share, share the podcast, share the live stream. Um, leave us your comments. We will answer any questions that you may have if they are appropriate. If y'all aren't prying too deep, we'll answer any questions that you have. Um, he's such a pure soul, so nice. We were chatting before the podcast started. So down to earth. So just, just start us off, Noel. Just tell us, tell us a little bit about you, um, where you grew up, and how you got into real estate. Um. Well, sure. So I grew up, it's a very long story, but I'll give you the shortened version. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, born in D.C., family moved to Minnesota when I was very young. So I grew up in Minnesota, went through high school in Minnesota, um, didn't go to university, which was uh, a battle at first when you have, you know, a professor, father, Ph.D., chemist, father, mm. who wanted to see his kids go off and become, you know, mathematicians, physicists, anything, anything, but go to college. Um, we, we're, I have a twin brother, identical twin brothers, um, and we were very more social, very into business and uh, real estate. We were introduced to when we were about 17, we went to this seminar where they were talking about real estate and its potential and ability to change your life. We were kind of captured by the presentation and the opportunity. So we actually got into real estate right out of high school. We began to uh, raise money from investors, uh, people with retirement funds and uh, self-directed uh, IRAs mm-hmm. accounts to renovate homes around the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So that oh. day, that's what I said we were going to do. And that's what we did. We said, hey, we're, we're, we're looking to do these things. And we just sort of did it. You know, it was definitely a kind of put out to the universe what you do. And of course you study. So we were very self-taught. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot from books and YouTube and mentors, finding other guys mm-hmm. who were successful and uh, landlords and rehabbers. And uh, yeah, I was fake it till you make it. I grew a mustache, grew a beard and didn't let anybody know. I was only you know, 18, 19, 20 years of age. Um, but we had a little success doing that. And that was sort of the launching pad uh, into the real estate world. That's so exciting. So I never knew. So you all just kind of jumped right out there, like right out of high school. What kind of sparked the idea? What what sparked your interest for real estate? So real estate was definitely not even something that I had even considered or looked into. I just knew that, you know, everyone is sort of different. I was one of those kids where I just wanted to be an adult. All my childhood, I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to get out there and work and earn money. And I think most importantly, it's like wanted to be respected because adults were respected because, you know, I, and they're independent and they were good uh, fend for themselves. And I think as a kid, I just wanted to dive right in. And uh, the idea of, you know, four years in university, 
um, which I do not knock. If I could go back and take some finance classes, I would do it in a heartbeat. Because uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've a couple things I've realized there was some kinks in the armor, but you know, certainly taught and learned as much as I could, even though I didn't go to university, I kind of had to give myself a mm. education of sorts. Um, I went, when we were 17, we went up to Maine. I have a sister who lives in Maine and my brother-in-law, I give all the credit to him. His name is Caleb. I thought we were somewhere directionalist, you know, I was Googling six figure jobs that you could do but without having to go to college. And so I was mm -hmm. very much in my mind knew that it, although we were smart, very smart and intelligent, um, I just didn't think that college was what I wanted to do right away. I wanted to take a couple years or if I could make it happen without going to university altogether, I wanted to do that as well, but definitely take a couple years to see what I could pursue that was more entrepreneurial. And uh, he handed us a Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, which many people in real estate are somewhat familiar with. I got to have it right over here. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting. Um, you know, it didn't hook me in right away. It was mm -hmm. until we went to the seminar where there was a lecturer on the stage in a jam-packed hotel conference room. We were 17. We were by far the youngest in the room by, you know, three or four decades. Right. Uh, a lot of gray hair. And there was a lady on the stage, one of the presenters, there were several, but she kind of spoke to us, I guess, in a way or triggered something because she said, look, out of everybody in this room, maybe five of you will do a real estate deal, but only one or maybe two, but probably just one of you will be truly successful. And my brother okay. and I were very competitive. And we sort of looked at each other and looked around the room and thought, yeah, if anybody in this room is going to be successful, it's going to be us. Gonna be us so. Yeah, so that's what it was that kind of triggered that competitiveness in us to, to make it happen and be successful. So right, right out of there, before we even graduated high school, officially, we had incorporated a, an entity that was a real estate uh, company. And it was initially the investment side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I got my license right away, actually, but um, it wasn't until many years later that I actually went out and got my real estate license. But it was more about we were really good at marketing and advertising. We were really mm -hmm. good at finding deals. We learned what constitutes a good investment deal or property, um, figuring out how to analyze the repairs that would need to go into the property mm -hmm. uh, and then what the resale value would be on the back end. And then once you have a deal, taking it to an, a list of investors uh, that we had been working and slowly building to say, hey, we found a deal, here's what it needs, and here's what we're confident it will sell for in the back end. Uh -huh. So it, investment deal making was sort of at the core of what I enjoyed doing the most. And that was the, the, the entryway into the business. Wow. So you said you wish you would have gotten your license earlier. So what, what really sparked you to go and get your license? Yeah. So I got my, I'm 29 now. Mm -hmm. I didn't get my license and I did a lot of real estate stuff in between 17, 18 and, and now mm -hmm. quite a 10 year journey, but I didn't get my license until I moved to the Hamptons in 2016. So I, you know, I moved to Manhattan in 2014, moved to the Hamptons in 2016, and it wasn't until then. So there was a big gap in there where I probably left a tremendous amount of money on the table and didn't go out and get my license. Um, and I'll admit for the first time here that I never, being an agent wasn't my first, uh, like ever my a dream of mine, actually being an agent. It was always, I always, I always wanted to be the man. I always wanted to be the principal in the transaction. I always wanted to be the one buying or selling. Uh -huh. uh, but it was actually, I'll admit it was to my detriment because there were so many deals that I could have done had I had my license and um, much earlier that would have been beneficial. When I first moved to Manhattan, I again had sort of was helping developers and builders raise money. Uh -huh. I'm skipping over some things now, but I moved to Manhattan in 2014. I had met some Hamptons-based builders while I was in the city. And if anyone does not familiar with the Hamptons, it's in the eastern end of Long Island. It's two, two, two and a half hours outside of the city. It's a second home vacation market. So, you know, and a luxury market in that. And so 
networking the city, met some Hamptons builders. They said, hey, kid, we like you. You're full of piss and vinegar. Come raise us some money. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and I spent uh, a really great amount of time helping these guys uh, and, and others as well. I was consulting with some developers down in, in Texas, uh, but really focused on the Hamptons, uh, finance some of their projects. And so I helped raise uh, many millions of dollars for a number of deals for these guys and moved out to the Hamptons just to be closer to the homes that were going up because I'd done all of it virtually. Right. Foot in, in Long Island um, or the Hamptons in particular. And so I moved out here in 2016 to be closer to the homes and try to expand my network of builders and developers that I was working with. Uh -huh. um, and it was later that year in 2016 where it was like, wait a minute, I should be representing these buyers from a brokerage standpoint, because these commission checks are huge. Right, uh, like wait, this could be me. This this could be me just, you know, and I was doing a lot of the work in terms of finding the deals and then finding the money uh, mm -hmm. as well, looking at a lot of land for these guys out in the Hamptons. Uh, and so it just made perfect sense to get my license. So that was four years ago, but it could have been 10 years ago. Most definitely, but I think everything happens like at the right time, at the right moment. Say, like if you would have got your license before you might not have even gone out there <laughs> you're right it, things wouldn't have happened the way they happened uh although i, I tell myself i probably would have made a lot more money but you know <laughs> but we can't look back you know the past yeah. is the best <laughs> yes exactly that's definitely so like um i know you say your dad was like a professor and everything so yeah. how how was his reaction when you guys were like you know that we're not going to college um, we're going to start a real estate business and that's just going to be that. <laughs> not good. <laughs> the reaction was not good. It was a, a source of some arguments and, and fights and things like that. And that's actually what led to us kind of cooling off from our house where we grew up in Minnesota and going to live with my sister in a, <laughs> for a period of time because things were kind of hot at home in terms yeah, of- Yeah, I mean, he's kind of heated. Let's just get away, get out his face and not let him see us sitting around on his corner. 100%, that's exactly what happened. Um, and then we got into real estate and it was, you know, a lot of timetables are thrown at us. Okay, we're gonna give you guys X amount of time, a year to do this whole real estate thing. Um, but after that, you have to- Tables were given to us. Um, and fortunately things, you know, when the money started to come in and they started to see that we were actually invested a lot of time and knowing our stuff and, uh, building a brand and building a business, then it became, it was relaxed. Yeah, because that's kind of one of the things, um, with our families, you know, they just want us to be secure and safe and, um, a lot of, I don't like to pull the race car, but a lot of black families, they don't really see entrepreneurship like right off. Like you really have to prove it to them and like, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm really making some money. Like this is legit. So, and then like people get on board. So anybody that's listening, you know, don't let people tell you, you have to go to college. Like I, I, went, I went to college, I got a degree, but I've never used it. That's <laughs> my, like every job I've had, not one was pertaining to my um, degree in political science. Right. And I'm a realtor, so definitely don't be afraid to step out there. Um, what advice would you give someone that's kind of afraid to take that leap of faith and just not go the safe route? It's a good question because I have very, very my close friends, dearest friends to me that uh, we go, we, our lives are completely different. Uh, close friends who are much more secure and it was, a, it was a college, it was a career. And they tell me all the time, I could not live like you. It's a lot of fear and uncertainty. Yeah. Um, I just have a history and my, my brother as well. If you kind of look at our stories, they're parallel. Um, he went, you know, we had made some money in our real estate business that we first started when we got out of high school and he had the opportunity to go to Korea. A lot of, if you've seen the show, you know that we're sort of these ping pong players. That was a big part of our past growing up mm -hmm. ping pong professionally. And he had the chance to go to Korea. And next thing you know, he found himself in the entertainment business, modeling and acting, um, where, and he sort of carved out a path for 
minority actors in, in, in on the entertainment field in South Korea. There weren't a lot of black uh, actors in TV and, and film, and he sort of became a go-to person and is well-known and he's, he's famous in South Korea now. But it was years of struggling and sort of swinging at the plate. Um, and so we both, him in entertainment, me in business, and then us sort of colliding worlds again, coming back in the real estate and business, we just kept sort of swinging because it was, we gave ourselves like that was the only option, like to, was to be successful despite uh -huh what, you know, friends, families, and many, which many times are the naysayers in our life because you're doing something different and you're sort of sticking your neck out of the turtle shell. And, you know, when you do that, you're at risk of, you know, having it cut off. And, uh, and so my advice is definitely know yourself. You have to have a lot of certainty. Um, if you say you're going to do something, the first person that comes along and says something contrary to what you had put out in the world and you fall you, you kind of waver right away then how much certainty did you really have uh in yourself so you kind of have to know uh how certain are you that this is what you want to do whether it's real estate or entrepreneurial entrepreneurism in, in general and uh be willing to take the licks um that come and many like you know when i first got into real estate or business and i was learning a lot about self uh self-help and self-development and business mm -hmm. and things that you know you learn quickly that businesses fail most businesses fail after just one two you know it takes the third year before a lot of businesses kind of succeed um do you have a nest egg do you have the money saved up have you or, or are you doing it sort of in your part-time um, for me, I was fortunate to have um, a little bit of a, you know, not much of a buffer in terms of, you know, I, I had parents that said, all right, we'll give you a year. I was still living at home. I was 18 or whatever. So not everybody necessarily even has that buffer. You might already have a family. You might have kids. So there's definitely not one answer that I can give that sort of takes care of everybody that, you know, I like to play devil's advocate. Some people might say, look, your situation is a lot different than mine. I've got kids. I can't dive right away, burn the boats, as the expression says, and go all in, which is what I believe in. Like plan right. A, no plan B. You burn the boats, you burn the bridge back. We're going forward. Um, you just have to make up in your mind, but this is what I'm going to be successful no matter what and uh, be willing to do whatever it takes. I like that. So um, that's just really kind of like, you know, it's a mindset. So like whatever you put your mind to do, you can do that no matter what anyone tells you. Because the naysayers are going to come like it's inevitable. That's already written. It's going to happen. And you kind of have to prepare yourself for that. Prepare your mind for everybody's not going to cheer me on. Everybody's not going to think, not going to think, you know, this is going to work. You're going to have people that hope you fall and hope that you're back to where they so they can be like oh well i told you that wasn't going to work out but you yeah. definitely have to keep a clear mind keep a positive mind um stay focused on your goals um and kind of find an accountability partner is what i kind of do um whether it be my journal or like an actual person that i'm telling somebody like hey i got this project i want to do i need to knock it out and some of my friends will check in like hey so what did you do towards such and such today and definitely have those people in your life um so how, did you ever have a mentor um getting into real estate getting into real estate well yeah. along the way along the way i've developed uh mentors and mentors mm -hmm. are key i've received a lot of messages and questions about how to get started and what to do and that's always the, one of the first one or two things i tell people to do go out and find a mentor and then there's a, mm -hmm. the challenge of how do you find that person but trust me you're <laughs> very hard and send enough emails and messages and phone calls but not just do that but get out there physically and start mentors will kind of latch on and you know begin to admire what you do but when i first started it was i had i looked up to a lot of people a few people in in key but they weren't always in real estate they weren't always in the field but i found people that i sort of admired that were sort of at the top of their game uh -huh. sort of you know, applied, you know, what they did as opposed to what they said, because, you know, if you look to see what people do, right? And, uh, the actions that they're taking and most, for the most part, it's the people who are just getting up every single day and showing up 
and I started to admire that in a few key people. Um, you know, it's funny, I was, there's this guy named Hezekiah Griggs and he was from New Jersey and I was 17 and he was a couple of years older than me. I remember stumbling on, upon him on uh, YouTube. He was one person in particular, I was just thinking about him earlier today and he, thought, he asked me this question. Um, very entrepreneurial young man, um, a lot of different magazines, that he, businesses that he started in publishing and media. So I looked up to him just to see a guy that was like doing it, even though he was in a different field. I really looked up to him and he's since passed. He passed away a couple of years ago in a, in a tragic car accident. Um, but he was somebody that I looked up to a lot back in those days. It was the early days of Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Facebook was becoming much more popular. So what I did was I closed down my Facebook account, my normal one that I'd grown up with and I had friends from high school and right. <laughs> I started a brand new Facebook account and um, I added only business people, real estate people, um, authors, lecturers. And so I began to sort of condition my mind to seeing a certain thing. Mm -hmm. I imagine logging into your social media and you're only seeing really great content in terms of like right. quotes. It's a and motivation. <laughs> complete motivation. That was the first thing I did when I was maybe 17 or 18. Um, I think it was 18 when I did that. And I was seeing private jets and authors and it was just a different lifestyle of exposing myself to um, from, uh, I guess, you know, social circle wise, peer group wise, I was seeing a lot of different things and that really impacted what I was kind of doing every single day and seeing every single day and was around every day virtually. Uh -huh. um, uh, along the way in meeting other investors and landlords, successful landlords, people who owned a lot of property, um, whether it's for coffee or, or what have you, Mm -hmm. they would a lot, oftentimes see somebody and me in many cases, I've been fortunate to have people kind of encounter me and be admire me in a way. I don't know how that sounds, but I, I certainly uh, as kind of describe it as maybe they admire me, but they kind of latch on to me. And yeah, they talk about you that made them want to. Exactly. They, they see something in you, whether it's the ambition or a spark or uh -huh. and they want to offer you advice and help. And um, I've been fortunate to have a few of those people along the way. Um, uh, so many of them still in my life which and, and have been amazing mentors. I wouldn't even be where I am today without a few of the people I've met since I moved to New York um, and Hamptons developers and builders and things of that nature who have kind of, you know, took me under my, their wing and sort of lot, sped up a lot of my development and, and education process. I love that. So like you said, it's very important to have like a network of people and just be who you authentically are and just work hard and people can see that spark and drive in you and that'll make them attracted to like your hustle, to what you're trying to do, to um, you trying to get to the next level in life. So let's kind of talk about the show. That's so exciting. See, I already got the scoop of how he got on there, but I'm going to let him retell y'all. <laughs> so tell us, how did you end up on this Netflix series, Million Dollar Beach House? So I moved to the Hamptons, like I said, in 2016. I got my license at the end of that year. Um, I was still, I used it here and there. I was still doing a lot of consulting for a lot of developers. Um, but I had a, a couple of very big high-end listings. I was doing a lot of things like off-market. Because uh -huh. uh, one thing I've learned and have become taught myself at was I was very good at marketing things. So although I wasn't at a big brokerage firm, people kind of, I still, I started a magazine. So, you know, I started this thing called Hampton Spectator. And so, I, you know, I was involved in some media things and anything for exposure to help attract uh, uh -huh business, whether it was investors or deals, I kind of, that's got my arm in that. Um, at any rate, I got the show from doing a lot of open houses. If you're an agent, you know, you do open houses and you, you kind of hope to have one or two people trickle in during a day. <laughs> I would do these all day long open houses, balloons, signs out, eight hours long, have snacks, bags and things on the table. Um, at a, 
at a particular property because it was close to the ocean. I had a lot of traffic that would come through this particular open house. Mm -hmm. And uh, several months later, I got an email out of the blue and said, hey, Noel, you may not remember me. I'm a producer. I put together these real estate TV shows. We're putting one together about the Hamptons and the real estate market. We think you'd be a great fit for it. Do you want to get together and discuss? And uh, I said, sure. Got together with this particular uh, producer, uh, discussed the show. And I mean, the, the rest is history. I, I don't, you know, initially I was, I had to think about it for a while. Um, <laughs> I'm a very private person. I'm very low I'm off the you know, radar, behind the scenes. And I kind of like being that. Um, but Netflix, once in a lifetime opportunity, the, the amount of- I like, yeah, I think I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Exactly. So it was, it was thinking about it for a while and talking to friends and family where it was like, okay, let's give this a shot and see where it goes. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was just watching it one day, just on my Netflix and I'm in the real estate. So I was like, well, let me see what this is about. And it was so funny. It's how I actually met you. Like uh, one particular episode, uh, y'all, y'all just have to go check it out. Super funny, um, such a good show. Um, so, how has life changed for you? I know you said you were a private person before the show. So now that the show has aired, um, people have been tuned in. How 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 has life changed for you? Life has changed a lot. Um, you know, the show came out in the me in the midst of a pandemic, and so um, you know. There's not a lot of social events, big social events as we would typically do out in the Hamptons. So it was for, you know, the show came out and for a few days I wasn't going outside, but a few days later I did finally make it to Main Street um, and walked down the street and I was stopped. I'm probably, you know, I'm recognizable and I'm a black, <laughs> black cast member and, you know, I'm a tall, lanky black guy and I wear a nice funny hat all the time. So I'm very easily recognizable and I had a lot of people stop me and, and photos and, you know, follow me to a parking lot. I kind of knew someone was following me. And then yeah, the lady worked up the courage to say, hey, can I get a photo with you? Mm -hmm. uh, it's been great, especially when people see me on the street and are kind of surprised that I'm a real person and I live, in, you know. In the you community. actually go out and. Yeah. and then they, it's great when they tell me, hey, you know, I made this day trip to the Hamptons because I saw the show and you inspired me to come out to the Hamptons in general, just to kind of check it out. I've never been out here. You know, can you come back to my car and meet my wife and things like that? So because of that, it's been fantastic. Um, it's been great for on the business side of things because there are a lot of people I was dealing with. I didn't tell I was on a show owners, clients, buyers, sellers. I didn't mention even rent renters. It's a rental mm -hmm. market in the Hamptons. Um, that were sitting with their family. And next thing you know, they turn on the show and they see their real estate agent. And they <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> call me and say, you you're a TV star. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just a little, this little thing I did. Don't worry. No, just a little day job. <laughs> yeah. So it's been great. And I'm looking forward to doing many, many more seasons um, and seeing where the show, show kind of grows. Almost definitely. So if this like really takes off, which I feel like it already has, but if it takes off even further, could you see yourself just doing like TV and leaving real estate and investing alone? Or that's always be like your passion always. It's like my first love. Yeah. Uh, deal making is definitely my first love. So, and you know, you, you do the TV stuff so it can bring more attention to your, your real life and your real mm -hmm. business, adventure, business ventures and real estate, things of that nature. But I, I'm so deeply passionate about real estate that I could never completely put it on the back burner. I just, I like doing deals too much. Yeah, it's one of those things. I love real estate. Um, I actually just got licensed like back in June. Okay, congrats. <laughs> Thanks. So it's been cool. I actually love it. Got a little deal on the table now. I'm working, um, which is exciting. But um, I know my mentor gets tired of me. Um, I'm like, you know, I don't think this is going to work out because real estate is such like a slow process. So, um, and this is just advice for myself. Like, what do you tell someone that's kind of getting into it and just having to have that patience to actually wait until like the deals come through? So 
they always say, especially if you're getting real estate in the, like in the Hamptons, for example, they say, hey, make sure you got six months worth of savings and things like that, which is not anything any newbie wants to hear. They, they don't want to hear about <laughs> six months worth of savings that it takes time to do a deal. Um, but it, it really can take, you know, uh, it depending on which market that you're in, you know, uh, you might uh-huh. be in a very hot seller's market where things are going in contract within a couple of weeks of, from their listing. Or you could be in a market like mine where it's not uncommon for a house to sit on the market for six, nine months, um, sometimes even a year and a half um, before it it sells. And so um, you'll definitely succeed much quicker if you're 100 percent, you know, working eight hours a day at that thing. You know, real estate is one of those businesses where people do get in part-time, which is great for that. You can work, you do your your day job, make your money, keep primarily, you know, you want to keep food on the table. That's number one. Is yeah, like don't don't be crazy now. But you know, until you get to that point, you want to work very smart. You want to work hard and you want to work smart, um, whether it's after hours or before hours, wake up super early and just kind of keep hustling. Um, it's 100% a relationships thing. Mm. You know, you can like looking at beautiful homes and beautiful kitchens all day long, but if you don't know any homeowners, you're not speaking to any homeowners, you're not going to get any listings. If you're not speaking to any buyers, you're not going to get any buyer clients. And so you have to think about what either puts me in the best situation or environment to meet these buyers and sellers, or you have to pick up the phone and uh, start smiling and dialing uh, and build your book of clients and your book of business. So um, yeah, a lot of different things and tricks and tactics that you can use, but nothing is going to, uh, Nothing is going to take away from the fact that you got to pick up the phone and you got to talk to somebody. You got to talk to either a buyer or a seller. You can't get <laughs> over that. So if you're getting into it and, you, and you, you don't like talking and you know building relationships. You just like the real estate. And you don't like the people aspect. It may not go that far. You got to really love both the people aspect and being a problem solver. At the end of the day, you solve someone's problem, you're going to get their business. Most definitely. It's definitely one of those things you have to be comfortable being able to speak to people, mm-hmm. people that you don't know. Um, I think one of my challenges is I will say I'm I'm not telling people that I come in contact with that I do real estate. Um, I have to remember to put that like at the top of my conversation, like, hey, by the way, if you're looking to buy or sell a house, you know, you know. Right. Um, so kind of how is that for you building up that that buyers and sellers market um, in a totally new environment when you moved to the Hamptons? Good question. So I backed my way into the business a little bit differently. So I was I had a network of, of builders. I had relationships with builders already. And so I was working with builders saying, um, hey, look, if you need help finding deals or finding money, you know, come to me. Um, I can uh, assist you with that. You know, mm-hmm. the developers and builders are always looking for land or lots that they can build a beautiful home on, either a custom home mm-hmm. or a spec home. So a custom home is for an end customer who, a client and user who they already have, and you're sort of building to their specifications and what they like, or you're building on spec, which is a developer or builder finds a piece of land, clears it, gets the permits, puts up a home, no buyer yet, hires an agent to find them a buyer, sell the house, agent gets their money, builder gets their money. And so I was working with a lot of spec builders Mm. and then finding the money, building the houses and then selling them on the back end. And so doing that for a number of years on sort of the investment side of things, I I knew what constituted a really good deal. I, I knew what makes a good investment purchase um, from just a buying standpoint. So that's very, very sharp. Those tools are very, very sharp. I know what um, makes good investment property and what it takes and what it can sell for and what the potential returns are going to be. So I'm a great agent for a builder developer. So at that point, you just tell as many builders and developers as you can what you what you do. 
and then you've got you know a book of you know clients right there and then you just go out and find the land and then you just broker the deal um what i did which is very unique in the hamptons is i would approach landowners who had lots that were on the market for a long time they were just sitting just vacant mm -hmm. land i'd say hey look uh i you've got a piece of dirt here that's been sitting and getting dust <laughs> um you want to sell it i think it'd be easier to sell that piece of dirt if you put a house on it do you want to join venture or partner with the developer or builder to build a house when it sells you get you what you wanted for the land, uh -huh. some more, maybe piece of the profits. You can walk away with more. So I went around. I approached every single vacant land parcel that was on the market in the Hamptons that way. So that introduced me to a lot of the brokers reaching out and saying, hey, look, do you want to do this thing? So first thing is you have to figure out who the players are on the, on the brokerage side of things. Uh -huh. um, whether or not you have a client... Preferably, you do have a buyer, right? But if you don't have a buyer, pretend you have a buyer. <laughs> I start reaching out to deals that are on the market. For me, it was more investment deals, things that could be bought and renovated and then resold or just vacant land that could be built on. And you're reaching out to people, all of the top players, especially in the Hamptons, uh, or imagine this in your market, whoever whoever's listening to this is. You're just finding out who the top players are in the market. That, that was key. Um, mm -hmm. And making that introduction and saying, hey, look, I've got a buyer for this. Can you tell me a little bit more about the property? What do you think this home could resell for? Um, so that's like step one is getting on on their radar consistently. Um, and it's if you don't have a buyer, you don't have a buyer. If you have a buyer, great. Um, that's a good shoe in an introduction kind of into the market and gets you to figure out not only who the top players are, you learn about each different pocket in every neighborhood um, that you're sort of reaching out to. And you do a couple different strategies until you kind of realize what kind of broker you're going to be. Are you a seller's agent? Are you a buyer's agent? Are you dealing mm -hmm. with things? Are you working with kind of first time home buyers or it doesn't matter if they're second time home buyers, but are you working with buyers? You kind of got to figure out who you are, what your niche, niche is. I'm someone who admits I don't try to be everything to everybody. Uh -huh. uh, real estate can sometimes be a very localized thing where the amount of information you can give your client will, will make or break the deal. If they kind of realize that you don't know anything about the market, you don't really know the restaurants that are around the corner, you don't really know what the values are in that neighborhood. Uh -huh. So. To begin with, I would always tell people, you know, I would probably pick a zip code or an area, uh -huh. know everything about what's going on in that zip code area market in that price point and just study. Um, so you can say, you know, so when you do have a buyer, you can go to them. Hey, look, Susan, uh, that over there sold a week ago. That was bought two months ago. They just lowered their price 15 grand. This, that kind of value will sort of set you apart from other brokers that they're sort of working with. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, when you get a listing, it's great because once you get a listing, you can kind of use one house that's for sale to sort of snowball and collect either other sellers on that street, you know, uh -huh. mailing campaign to every house on that street saying, Hey, look, I just listed your neighbor's house for sale. Maybe there's a real estate need I could help you with host do a lot of open houses and every buyer that comes in who doesn't have an agent, get their details, you follow up with them, you make them your client because you know that they're looking for a, a property. So it snowballs, but it always kind of has to start with something. Start with the seller, you start with the buyer and use it to kind of get more and more business. I love that. I love how you said to kind of focus in on one thing at a time. Because um, right now I'm trying to focus on buyers. Right. <laughs> so it seems like the easiest thing, especially with me not being from here. Um, and I can't keep using that as my excuse. I don't really know a lot of people from here. Don't I'm from tell here. anybody you're not from there. Don't try, <laughs> don't don't even mention you are a pro. <laughs> like I've been doing this for years. Like trust me. Um, honestly, I've never had people ask. Well, I have had honestly. I did have this one client ask, like, "How long have you been doing real estate?" I was like, "Oh, wow, now." <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's easy. It's something you can overcome quite easily if you just follow that up with. A tremendous amount of market data what what you know 
things that are going on in the neighborhood and the real estate. But you gotta you just gotta know it. You gotta study the market reports and um, uh, or or find another agent and get on their team. You find a really successful solo agent. Say, hey, look, I'm gonna come work for you. Um, Let's, you know, I want to be your team. I want to do all the grunt work so you don't have to. That'll open you up to grow the business even more because you can spend all your time um, networking and bringing in more business and just let me handle all the paperwork while I learn and this and that, collect a piece of their deals. And, and that's right. probably the number one way and the quickest way to do it is to find another top agent and say, hey, look, you go out and be the face, but let me be behind the scenes and we can grow this thing together. Look, I joined a team like exactly because that's like a great piece of advice. Um, I have my cousin's girlfriend does real estate. She's in Philadelphia. And I was like, you know, I'm getting into real estate. Where are some tips? She's like, definitely join a team. If you're just getting golf and you want to get some deals and get them quickly more so than you would just on your own out there trying to figure it out, definitely join a team. So if any of you all are watching, definitely keep that in mind. Um, join a team. Someone commented and said, this is great. Thank you, April. Thanks, um, April. <laughs> thanks so much. So, so that's so exciting. So kind of what are some of your future goals? Um, aside from, you know, this show and things like that. Yes. Yeah, so um, I, I suppose I've got a lot of goals. On, on one hand, I've narrowed down. I was doing a lot of different things and if you really want to be successful, there's a quote, you've got to focus on the few, not the many. And so, <laughs> and I've, when, when studying really successful people, I, it's, it's true. You, you find one thing, you master it, be willing to do it for 10 years be, before you see the results. I didn't have that, you know, that I didn't have that dialed in when I was first getting into real estate. Like it would take 10 years. It was, I need to be top of my game. I need to, I need to make the Forbes 30 under 30, like right, right. now. <laughs> and since I've gotten into real estate entrepreneur, you know, working, being, you know, independent contractor, working for yourself, things like that. Over the past 10 years, being an entrepreneur has become kind of in vogue. It's like a popular thing to start your own business and, and work for yourself. And, um, but I think the message that didn't get across to me is that it would take 10 years. Uh, what people told me, I didn't want to believe them because I'm just like to be fast out of the gate. So I think I've been through that first decade of my career and for the next decade of my career with that insight, I know it might take another 10 years to get to really kind of where I want to be. Um, but I like to start getting more in, I've got a number of things that I'm doing. I'm getting in sort of the concierge side of the business, right? So Although I just said focused on the few, not the many, the other things that I want to do help and are kind of offshoots and a sort of ancillary services to what the main thing like is. Like the bigger picture is, yeah. The main thing is I'm an agent, I'm an agent, I'm an agent. I sell houses, I sell houses, I sell houses. That's what I do. But I find that, especially because I live in a luxury market, there are other things that I can get into, whether it's sort of moving and delivery services um, concierge level services. So if somebody wants to come out to the Hamptons, has never been to the Hamptons before, they're considering buying a house in the Hamptons. Okay. All right. Let's put together a day long little program for you where you go out on a yacht for a few hours. We take you to a restaurant, mm. get you a nice car, car to drive around in. So that's, that's what my concierge does. Uh, my brokerage team at my uh, my team at my brokerage firm is called the private client team. And so we try to focus on more high net worth uh, families and individuals, um, C-suite executives, um, and not necessarily, you know, it's like a chase private client. We just provide a, more services. I'm willing to hold somebody's hand for six months uh, before they make a purchase or uh, get a deal. Well, I'll carry you like, let's go. <laughs> And, you know, whisper sweet nothings in your ear and uh, <laughs> teach you about the market and why, you know, this is going to be because it's a sizable investment for somebody if they're spending, um, you know, although our show is called Million Dollar Beach House, there aren't a lot of million dollar beach houses. That's like an entry price here in the Hamptons. Right. going to be spending on the low end, two to three million bucks. And on the high end, you know, 10, 15, 20 or 
much, much more millions of dollars. And so it's a very big investment for somebody. Um, they don't always make it in a, in a snap decision. They want to make sure it's the right thing, that there could be some potential upside. You can't, what's great about the hampers is that you can't really, and I'm going to answer your question. I realize I haven't answered it, but I'm going to answer your question. You can't really lose your shirt in this market unless you're really trying. Um, just because of the proximity to Manhattan, it's such a popular destination spot outside of the city. The pandemic has only made it more and more popular. Uh, people realizing that they just can't have an apartment in the city. And if you're, you know, you can afford to have a second home, the, Hampton, the Hamptons is a great uh, market for that. So people sort of realizing, okay, if we're going to invest in a property, we want to be able to sell it down the line um, and not lose much. The Hamptons is a great market for that. Uh, but to get back to your question, concierge, and then I'm now um, in the process of sort of putting together a design build team of my own. So for many years, I've been referring people to other builders and developers that I know, uh, but I've sort of collected a lot of resources and tools from contractors and, and tradespeople and designers and architects and things like that. And I'm starting to educate myself a lot more on the actual building side of things and what constitutes great design. I'm really fascinated by uh, glass houses right now, a house with a lot of glass and glasses and houses that are all, all glass. And so contemporary things, modern homes, things of that nature. Um, and so we've got a couple really cool things that are going to be breaking ground soon, both custom and spec. Um, and so getting into the design build, side of things as well for maybe one or two customers that I'm very involved in actually building the home itself from the team that I've put together. That's where I see myself doing a lot more over the next five to 10 years. Oh, that's exciting. So it's great to stuff. I'm going to go to South Florida. I want to get a couple of team, team members down there and then we're going to go to LA. So of course, expanding the brokerage into other luxury markets uh, around the country as well. Oh, I love it. Look, I might have to move to Florida and get my license over there. <laughs> Florida, um, it's a great market. A lot of homeowners here in the Hamptons have places down in Palm Beach or Miami as well. So you just kind of go where your clients go mm. and back them in other markets. Speaking of which, we were kind of talking like, you know, it's kind of getting called out. You said this is kind of a, of a, um, a down season in the Hamptons. So kind of tell us what your plans are um, in, in a time like this. Yeah, so it, there's the major selling season in the Hamptons is probably Memorial Day to Labor Day. So end of May till early September, October, there's sort of a nice fall selling season, but typically the winter months, not a lot happens. You're sort of gearing up for, I mean, there's a, another kind of selling points pockets before May or March, but really starts to get really busy and active probably in April, um, March, April. Um, and so in the off season, what a lot of smart brokers do is they go to South Florida or they'll go to some of these popular surf, uh, not surf, but um, snowboarding and skiing uh, places where people have second homes and things like that. And they spend time and building a book of business in other markets or just living and hanging out in those other markets as well, because nobody likes to hang around. And well, I shouldn't say that people do like the colder months, but. Uh, and I grew up in Minnesota, for for a matter of fact, but I still just don't like the colder months. I don't either. I'm from the South. We're not used to the cold. Like It's like 80 degrees here today. So, Wow. Um, that's good. That's perfect temperature. Um, <laughs> so on the off season, there's still a lot of work that can get done. Uh, you know, if you want to have a successful spring, if you happen to live in a, uh, a beach or summer community, what you do in the off season in the spring leading up to the summer months really will dictate how successful and how good of a summer you have. So you're still dealing with owners constantly saying, hey, look, you're looking to sell in the next six months? Well, let's begin thinking about preparing for selling in the spring. Let's, you know, grass is still green. Let's photograph your property now. Let's, you know, start to talking to some potential buyers in the off season. Let's get the listing ready for when we go live for it in the you know, top of the year. So there's still a lot of work to be done uh, in the off season. And so... There's that. I'm in the process of getting my Florida real estate license. So hopefully I'll have that within a month and I'll spend, you know, a little bit of time, maybe a month or two, as much as I can down in, in Florida this winter. Um, but then still a lot of things happening up in the Hamptons that I have to be up here for. So it'll be busy uh, off season. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
<laughs> I'm excited to hear about it. Um, so we're gonna kind of back back. So like COVID, you know, we talked about the pandemic briefly. Yeah. So how did the pandemic really affect you in like the real estate market up there? Did you see any changes? Yeah, it uh, COVID happened. Everybody kind of held their breath for a, a little bit because nobody <laughs> knew what what was going to happen. Right. We weren't you know? I'm in New York, so people initially weren't taking it that seriously. When you hear one case, five case, twenty cases, you're still kind of going out to restaurants. You're still living your life. You're not shutting things down. Right. Um, and so when new york city finally said oh this is like a real serious thing these cases are starting to skyrocket people in manhattan started to freak out especially when there were rumors of lockdowns and bridges closed and you know armageddon um and so people started to flood to the hamptons and to the not just to the hamptons but you know upstate new york the outer suburbs the boroughs long island but if you had a home in the Hamptons, definitely started to flood it to, to the Hamptons. And so I remember I was representing a property on the market for about 9 million bucks. And I had a showing at the, on the early onset. Um, and the buyers tried to offer like 5 million bucks and said, hey, look, this COVID thing is coming. You know, a lot of these homes are going to be half off. And I said, well, actually, I think the exact opposite is going to happen. I think prices are going to be owners and prices are going to really stabilize if not start trading for a lot more and right right this was probably like march april um and so that's what we saw happening we saw a lot of people starting to find short-term rentals in the hamptons um i had never done a lot of rentals before um Mm -hmm. but there was so much demand for rentals, uh, luxury rentals, short-term stays, whether it was for two weeks or a month or, you know, the entire summer. Some people said, look, let's get out of the city and let's just get our summer going anyway. We're typically renting for one or two months. Let's just find something right now and rent for, you know, three right. four months out in the Hamptons and work virtually. And so the rental market went nuts. It went crazy. We started, we were running out of inventory, which just, doesn't really typically happen, you know. Sure. People couldn't find deals. And fortunately enough, there are a lot of owners who for the first time decided to throw their market house on the market to rent, uh, just to sort of, you know, capitalize on all the people coming out to the Hamptons to get away yeah. from the condensed city. And so it was a very, very busy summer. It was hectic, it was crazy. Uh deals were sort of flying off the shelf. We couldn't find deals. We were having to, you know call owners and say, hey, could you rent your house, please? I've got like, customers. Like, it's yeah. just sitting there. Can we please put someone in it? And uh, people doing renting homes for crazy numbers, sight unseen, um, just to have a place to escape to um, outside of the city. So it was, it was a very hectic. COVID had, you know, it's unfortunate, but it had a good impact on, say, the real estate business in the market uh, because there were, you know, agents every agent was busier than they've ever been just trying to uh accommodate all these customers and clients looking for houses most definitely shout out to the real estate agency the essential workers yeah and <laughs> the real became essential workers <laughs> right essential now. but as it should be people are always looking um for homes mm-hmm. it's definitely a market that seems like it's ongoing um so just like we've talked about business and all that. So kind of just some fun stuff. So what's some music that you like? What are you what are you listening music. to? Oh gosh. What's on your playlist? <laughs> on my playlist is a lot of things. Uh KRS one, Mostef, Kanye, um, all the Nas, all the way to I like a little bit of rock and roll every now and then. I like some <laughs> King. Leon, some Oasis, some classical stuff. I grew up playing the drum set, so I think that just gave me like a, a appreciation for like other genres like jazz and some rock and roll, things like that. But it's a lot of hip hop. Um, <laughs> it's mostly hip hop, yeah. 
Me too. So <laughs> just one of those things. So um, kind of tell us like what's a day like for you? Do you have like a morning routine? I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they like have this set morning routine. So kind of tell us what, what yours is. Yeah, uh, it changes. But for the most part, I'm an early, somewhat of an early riser. I just, my body kind of gets me up early. And so I'm, I'm you know, I, I shouldn't, I should like work out. I should do this and that. But sometimes I just, I pick up that laptop or I'm on my phone and I'm right away. I'm sending emails or I'm on Twitter, which is where I get a lot of my news. So that's typically one of the first things I do is I pop open Twitter. I'm seeing what's trending. I'm seeing what emails have, you know, come in. I'm a weird kind of check my email at 2 a.m. like and expecting something. It's just a very bad habit I, I have. But I typically get right into it and I'm doing some some work from about 30, 40 minutes right after getting up. And then I'm popping in the shower and then I'm having breakfast, a later breakfast, maybe around 8 a.m. or so. Um, typically, pre-COVID, I was driving to the office and I'm in the office right away. Uh, also, pre-COVID, I'm there's, there's a habit that I got into being new to the Hamptons, which is I go and I sit in a bench on a bench in town. And so I used to 9 a.m. every morning sit, uh, you know, for an hour on this bench in front out in front of a coffee shop on the main street, on the main stretch here on the main street and uh, just talk to locals and like interact and mingle. And as a real estate agent, that's like a great thing to do, especially when it's such a uh, a relationship business. That was a typical thing, but COVID's not around now. So I'm pretty much just on my laptop or making phone calls or I'm in my car. I spend a tremendous, tremendous amount of time in my car, driving <laughs> around, just looking, just being in my car. I'm just, I'm either I'm looking at houses or I'll pull up to somewhere with Wi-Fi, send some more emails, drive back around the places. I'm visiting listings that I have on the market. I just like to sometimes I just drive by, just check on the house. Um, and so it's usually going from house to house to house. I always have a list of one or two things I'm going to go see. A lot, a vacant lot or uh, a house that somebody's looking at. I, I'm one of those people who, if a buyer's looking at something, I like to go do a drive-by and tell them what I think about the neighborhood. So I like to really break down, okay, I like to tell a buyer, yeah, I drove the street. Here's what I think about the street, not just the house, but here's what I think about the neighborhood and the street, close proximity to X, Y, Z. So I sometimes spend, I, I mean, on a crazy day, you know, I might be spending eight hours in my car, um, but I'm spending at least a couple hours in my car every single day. Um, which is a bad habit, but this is, there's also, you know, I'm not in my office that much um, because yeah. of, you know, we're in a COVID environment. Uh, but even, even when we could show up in, and we can go to our office now, but even now I still like to just work out of my car. I used to have a printer in my back seat. No way. Those converters where I could plug it in, I could <laughs> out of the back seat, but I, I got rid of it because it was a bit, it was a bit too much. I can do it too much now. <laughs> yeah. That's a typical day. I love it. I, I really, really do. And I, I, feel like I, I didn't. I do like to catch the sunset. That's like a. I have some certain rituals. Times the sun setting. I'm fortunate, fortunate enough to be in sort of a beach town, so I like to go check, catch the sunset, um, mm -hmm. and then have dinner. But then there's another, you know, probably a couple hours I like to do. I'm very productive from the hours of, I would say, 8 p.m. to about 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. During the day, I'm kind of running around getting a lot of things done that people need me to get done, want me to get done. I use that time in the late evening to kind of work on like stuff that I want to work projects or things that I'm doing, whether it's like marketing campaigns, whatever it is that requires a little bit more creativity or focus. I can like exhale. It's like that me time where I'm kind of focused on, you know, projects, personal projects, and then thinking about the next day. Definitely. So it sounds like you kind of time block your day and kind of stick to it. I try my best. It's a lot of shooting from the hip and being on call. You never know what's going to pop up or we got to run to, but I definitely try to find that time in the evening where, you know, don't bother me. I'm, I'm, it's much more me time. <laughs> I'm definitely working on that. I'm a mom. So it's kind of like all over the place. Sure. I'm telling you like my kid, my son, I have a two year old. Um, he'll wait until I get on the phone with a client now. Uh -huh. 
not bothering me all day but as soon as the client calls he's like right there like trying to scream i'm having to run away from him so i can be professional <laughs> they call the terrible twos right oh my gosh and i hear that three is even worse so oh, yeah. i'm trying to brace myself with like There's the father and my other daughter she's seven she's doing virtual learning and i'm just getting into real estate i am full-time in real estate um not by choice. It just kind of happened. Um, some things happened. COVID, all of this. So here I am. But Here's you what I would say to that. I learned this from some guys who were developers um, who were just like very successful. Um, they always found a way to work their children like into the conversation. It was like something that they were very open. And nowadays, everyone's working from home. So it's like you're going to hear kids screaming in the background. But um, I wouldn't even like hide it i would somehow work it it would it would be if i was on a phone call with you and you said to me uh hey yeah that's my kid screaming in the background you know and you know hey say hi to whoever even though you're trying to be the most up most professional they might go wow that was actually very like personal of you like work your children into the conversation <laughs> no one's going to be upset at a screaming you know uh, a kid um to an extent but you know, I'd, work I'd work find a way to work it in they might get a chuckle out of it they usually do. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's my two year old screaming. So <laughs> like working from home. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> You're like, I totally get to have a three year old right here pulling on my leg. So it's one of those things. So um, thanks so much for coming on. I had a wonderful time. So kind of tell our audience how they can connect with you, where they can find you on social media. So all my social media is pretty much the same. It's my first name, Noel, N-O-E-L, the letter X, and then my last name, Roberts. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, going to start a YouTube channel soon, hopefully, and start recording a little bit more like my daily vlogs and my life and uh, homes and, uh, you know, something some something that so people can learn a lot more about the Hamptons and what like my day-to-day -day looks like. I, you know, we did this TV show, which was supposed to capture a lot, but I feel like a good solid hour to you could like learn a lot more about like behind the scenes what life is like actually like uh, without you know a camera crew following you around just me and a cell phone so <laughs> look, out for that. look out for that soon most definitely you guys thank you all for tuning in